Welcome to this latest edition of the Real Deal Podcast. I'm your host, Surreal Joe Quinn. On this 24th of April, 2020, we are, we are here. And this is a special show because not only is it about the Chicago Bulls' last dance, Michael Jordan documentary, we have the original. The boys are back. The boys are back in town. First episode with all three of us in maybe like at least two years. It's been, it's been at least a, it's been a couple years. So I'm of course joined by Robert Sapp, yep. Hoodie Sapp, and Nick Insider, <laughs> Chad, <laughs> Chad Cuddy Quinn, who who will have to at some point in this document in this uh, podcast give Phil Jackson some credit. Oh, definitely. <laughs> Slow down. He we'll doesn't see. want to. He doesn't want to, but he's gonna have to. He's, he's gonna have to. He has no choice at some at certain point. At some I point. think the first question should be, "What is it like to be a Nick Insider?" <laughs> it's grueling. It's grueling, man. You know what I mean. But we'll come back to that. But it's like being in a war. The oh, it's painful. Yes, I'm sure it's painful. Sure. Shout out to the '99 Knicks, though. The NBA TV show yes. defines today. I was watching that. Yeah, they lost, but I was watching that. <laughs> spoiler alert. <laughs> spoiler, spoiler, yeah, spoiler alert. <laughs> yes. Hey, butterfly effect, man. I was watching this game. It was two minutes left. We had a one game five, but uh, that's I digress. Yeah, yeah. If you would have been healthy, who you know, a lot, lot of woulda, coulda, you know, Larry Johnson. Fair enough. Fair enough. If you got Larry Johnson in 93, you know, who knows? There's <laughs> <laughs> a lot of would-haves. Oh, wow. So... <laughs> <laughs> I forgot about that. 93. Let's move on. Let's move on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They got him. They, they got him when he was actually grandma. Why didn't they? Why? Oh, yeah. <laughs> what happened with that? Why did that happen? Let's well, talk know, about that. Yeah, no. He, I mean, he had a bad back. They got him when he had a bad back. They got we him. get everybody <laughs> used. <Yeah. laughs> We've never bought a new car. Ever, 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 ever. Anything that's on Two hundred thousand miles. You gotta have at least two hundred thousand miles. We'll take it. So, um, remember Spreewell? Whatever happened to him? I, I, he disappeared after the two thousand four Western Conference Finals. He, he couldn't feed his family with the eighteen <laughs> or whatever. So, <laughs> he's still looking for that money. Oh, the Knicks. So, did first did our did this documentary? <laughs> First two episodes live up to our overall expectations. I know that I thought that it was going to be one of the greatest documentaries, sports documentaries ever. I said that to you. I texted that to you both. Both you guys, Cuddy in particular, were skeptical. So, did it live up to your expectations? First two episodes. Overall. I definitely, it definitely lived up. I didn't. I don't want to say skeptical. I want to say more so hesitant because I think what happens in the day and age we live in you see something great and you forget about the greatness you saw right before that. So I'm like, okay, the documentary series with the sports is pretty heavy. Um, but I will say I was completely with it drawn right in immediately. Like, okay, they took their time with this. You know, I still won't be able to tell you where it's going, but after the first two episodes, it is on par and in a position to be up there with the greatest, just because of who it is and what we didn't know. So that's my take. Yeah, I, I it's going to live up 
to my expectations. Definitely the first two did, just because of they have all the principal players in it speaking. Um, and the way that they have started and kind of, like you said, Chad, taking their time to, like, start setting up a lot of the things that we think are going to happen later on um, tells you that, that they, 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 they put a lot of time, effort, and money behind us. Yeah, um, I think that it absolutely lived up to the billing to what I thought it was going to be. Um, I loved how they're mixing in the past with the future or with that 1998 season, how they're kind of blending that in. Because keep this in mind, they are in the tri- they, you know, they're in a tricky spot. Like you can't have a 10-part documentary and then and do it in only for, for only one season. You can't do that. It's not like it's only one season. So you have to they have to mix in backstory. They have to mix in, you know, they got to get into the tell the individual stories of the primary uh, of the primary um, participants. You know, Jordan backstory, Sky Pippen backstory. We'll soon see um, in this next upcoming episode Dennis Rodman's his you know journey to the Chicago Bulls and and that 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 whole ordeal. So it's not like I was wondering before you know before they uh, before it started how they were going to do that. Like, all right, it's going to be 10 parts. It's not like the Kobe Muse where it's like basically a two-hour, hour 45, two-hour special on, you know, basically every his career as far and also the Achilles. They're trying to tell a 10-part story, 10-episode story telling in terms of one season. So I think they did a tremendous job with how they're blending in, just giving you the – giving you the, the necessary backstory on these, on the uh, primary characters and on just, you know, the game. I mean, it really brought me back. I'm, it really brought me back to the NBA way back when, um, in the 90s. And some of the research I had to do was like, oh, this guy only made this amount of money and, and what have you. And yeah, so I, I think they did a tremendous job in terms of that. In regards to Michael Jordan, what – like, what about him did you learn that you may have not known or prior to, prior to? Like, what in terms of his mentality or in terms of, you know, his approach? I think the scene stiller for me was uh, the cocaine bulls. When, <laughs> um, when they brought that up and Jordan just broke out into, into laughter. Um, I don't know if it, I don't know if anything like is different than what I knew and understood of Jordan, at least up until this point, but it was a break in character of corporate Jordan. Um, and I think like, that's what I'm most interested in this series diving into is moving or lifting the curtain of that, of that, or the, of the corporate facade and like what was Jordan like the player and how the other players feel about Jordan. Yeah. So I did a little bit of that. And I'll piggyback up off of that. I agree with um, Sap completely. It's not so much what I learned that I didn't know is the depths of how it was explained to me. So when I think about everybody knows Jordan's driven and it's all about winning. 
But when you reference that that scene in the hotel room, how he was like, I don't want to know parts. You know, I just want to play the game. Or you go back to the family situations with his older brother Larry and everything. Like, just those insights to see what gets him to, what got him to tick the way he does. Why is he so about winning and so passionate about this? Um, so, like, yeah, it was kind of like putting together the pieces of the urban legend. You know, we hear all these myths and all these little catchphrases about how he is and why he is this. But for him to actually explain it and us to see that, I never knew that, you know, and we talked about this the other day, like he came in, well, he went three years in North Carolina, right? So it wasn't like he was like completely an 18 year old and, you know, but he was really young. But more importantly, they said he was talking to his mom every day. You know, she would come up there and visit. He was a real life freshman going into the NBA. So I love the way they explained that. You know, I I think uh, we are, I mean, we knew about the world of Wayne, how competitive he was. I think it does, like you said, it dug deeper. And it's like, it's winning. It's like, dudes say they want to win. But his drive to win, his willing, like, he's, I mean, he really, he was really was wanting to put his, he put his whole career on the line in terms of the injury. So he breaks his foot in 86, misses the majority of the season, comes back at the end. And they're saying, like, hey, you're risking your career. Like, if you try to come back, you're risking your career. Like, no, I'm going down to North Carolina. The Bulls didn't know. He goes through this rigorous training. He's in the pool. He's working out. He comes back. His muscles were stronger than the broken the broken foot muscle, leg, and calf. His calf muscle was stronger than the one, you know, his the one that wasn't broke, that was fixed. And he comes back, and he – leads them to the playoff, gets them to the playoffs, and then, of course, does what he does against Boston. That, to me, like, that's going beyond wanting to win. That's like, that's I'm obsessed. Not only do I want to win, I love playing basketball. And, like, you know, you hear, again, you hear guys say they love playing basketball or they, you know, this, that, and the third, but the proof is in the pudding. Like, he could, I mean, Smart move, the, the smart calculated move would have been like, all right, I'm Michael Jordan. I got a chance to make tens of millions of dollars. I'll sit out the season and go on to the next season. Like, no, I'm going to come back no matter what. So I, I just think that, like, I, I, you know, I knew he was competitive, but I'm like, like winning was everything. I, I like this. I, I, it really stood out to me. Like winning was truly everything to this dude. Can I I ask that real quick? I I think to your point about winning being everything, um, the other thing that stood out for me was going back to this being pre-social media, pre-media hype. You know, we all know about Jordan getting cut in high school and everything. Right. But he didn't have that same momentum going into the league. No. You know what I mean? So, like, besides winning – he had the chip of a blue collar player, <laughs> like his whole career. He had this chip of this blue collar player that he wasn't because, he, and we'll talk about this later with the Hall of Fame speech, but it's like, 
everybody else is getting all this fanfare about how they're the greatest and they're this and they're that. And he's like, no, I'm the best. You know what I mean? So, like, I feel like along with him, his willingness to win, he always felt like he had to prove something. And therefore, he wanted to spend every minute on that court proving that. So. Yeah. Yeah. That it like. Yeah, exactly. He um, always had a, a always was seeking out motivation no matter what. And it came it built. I mean, even going back to when his childhood, he comes from he came from a two two parent home. Bunch, you know, five brothers and sisters got to fight for everything. The, you know, the basketball games with his older brother, uh, older brother, Larry, um, you know, even getting chastised by his father. Um, so yeah, it all started at a, you know, it all started at a young age for him. I think with Jordan, the reason, I think that him coming back in that season wasn't, was important beyond the scoring 63 points, because I think it set the tone for the culture of the Chicago Bulls. They get, they get to, they barely get to the playoffs. They get swept by the Celtics, which they should have, but it was like, no. I don't care about, I don't give a shit about these draft picks, this lottery. I'm, we, we're going to win. I'm not going to be a part of anything that's not about winning. And, you know, fast forward to 2020, we see teams tanking left and right. You know, I've completely flipped my stance on tanking. Um, I don't believe in it. Uh, you, I mean, it could be done, but it is, it's a way to do it and still try to give the illusion that you're trying to be competitive or try or try to, or try, or had a team playing hard, but um, he wasn't like, no, that, that outright tanking, he wasn't standing for. And I think that was a real important pivot moment for the Chicago Bull, organ, Bull organization. Like, if, you know, if they didn't allow him to come back and play for the rest of the season and would have got that draft pick, I don't know. I, I mean, I, I, you know, I mean, I don't know what that would have looked like for the organization moving forward. Maybe he maybe he asked for a trade. I don't know. No, I agree completely. I, I mean, that yeah, I, I said this before about the whole tanking thing, and <laughs> this is a very random reference, but I'll never forget with Kerry Kittles when he said he got traded <laughs> to the Nets. Kerry Kittles. Kerry Kittles, wherever he is. <laughs> and um, he was like, people don't understand – the damage losing does to your psyche. You know what I mean? So if you go into a situation where your your general manager, your owner's already telling you, we really don't care. We're not really trying to win. We're just training. <laughs> you're, you're already setting yourself up to lose. So I think, to your point, Real, that was very telling to me about who Jordan was as a person. It didn't really matter, black, white, your title, whatever. He just wanted to win. And if you were not of that same tribe, then he's going to develop trust issues. You know what I mean? So like that right there was the beginning of a lot of trust issues with the organization. Those little play for 14 minutes, seven minute half bullshit that they did. It's like, what are you, you're serious right now. You know what I mean? Like you can't even grasp the hostility. Me and Rob talked about this where they have to lock the room, the locker room after the game because they didn't want the GM to come in to celebrate with them. 
You know what I mean? Like that's already telling you the friction and the toxic situation that was happening in Chicago that would only explode later on. So um, that's 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 yeah. a perfect that's a perfect segue because I, I obviously I want I want to get to the, the Kraus, Reinsdorf that 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 whole deal. So ninety eight last dance is evident that's going to be the last year. Phil Jackson signs a contract. He gets the only because Jerry Reinsdorf flies out there, and even after that. Kraus says, "Hey, I don't care if you go eighty-two and zero. This is your last. This is your last year. This is it. You got Pippen. We'll get to the. We'll deep dive the Pippen stuff. You got his his whole ordeal. You have Michael Jordan, who's still the best player in the league by far. In that, you know, nineteen ninety-seven, ninety-eight, going to that season. And I, you know, I thought about. You know, I was a, I think, what twenty? Yeah, I was about twenty years old at that point. I don't remember being." outraged at the idea that a general manager and an owner organization would go out their way to break up a five-time, uh, five soon-to-be six-time championship team. I just thought, I, thought, I was thinking about the day, I was like, what? like, you know, I wasn't a kid. I mean, I was, you know, was a kid, was a young adult, I, and I was in the sports and stuff. I don't remember, remember being outraged. That is like the idea of somebody, an organization, having that much success and being in a rush, seemingly in a rush to break that up is, is just insane to me. I, do you remember at, you know, you know, that age being, you know, what, what were your thoughts in, in, say, 1998 when that was going on? Go ahead, I do. I do. I, me I remember thinking, like, this is insane. Um, and the, like in this, this, this gets to the heart of what I want from this documentary. I want to know how this happened. How did somebody allow this to happen? Um, what I will say is my perspective has grown over time, but as it's grown over time, um, I, have, I have started to recognize how few opportunities we all get to see true greatness um in in whatever field you're in but in particularly like we're talking about on the basketball course they talk about generational players generational teams generational things and they talk about that for a reason because you only get a certain amount of opportunities at this and so for an organization to want to move on before that thing totally falls apart um it just doesn't compute and it's never computed to me particularly when you have the greatest player, arguably, of that generation playing at that time, probably not an argument, the no, greatest player no. of that generation um, playing at, at that time, that's not something you willfully want to shake up. So in, my, in the back of my mind, I've always been like, it's got to be something more to this story. It's just got to be something more even from the different things that I've read since then and like, you know, the interviews and everything that we already knew, it still hasn't been enough to explain to me why they wanted to blow this thing up. Um, particularly, this is not Boston or LA in this sport where you have a bunch of banners hanging previous to this regime coming in. You had nothing. And now you have you're, you are the center of 
not only the basketball universe, but you're pretty much the center of the sports universe um, with Jordan and Pippen and all of them. So it has always felt strange that that thing ended the way that it ended. And it's always felt like there's been more to be, be told. And so the selling point of this documentary for me in particular, when they were like unprecedented access of a crew during this season. Um, I didn't, I didn't know that. And I, 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 I'm truly, truly fascinated. Like it's great seeing the backstories. It's great um, telling the story of how this thing came to be, but I really, really, really want to know the nitty gritty details of how this thing came apart. Chad, go ahead. You look like you're chopping at the bit. You know, I was laughing because I, I, I agree with both of you. Um, you see the hat. I'm a Knicks fan, so I don't give a fuck about why they broke up at the time. <laughs> it means nothing to me in my silo. Nothing at all. So that's where I was in whatever year that shit happened. Fucking good riddance. I don't care when the nigga retired. I, I didn't bring that up in the beginning. I don't give a fuck about Jordan. <laughs> But I respect what he did. Everybody knows that about me. I'm the only nigga that had one, a couple pairs of Jordans, but I never liked Jordan. So I did not care about his journey, his struggle, whatever this shit was going on. But as I got older, this is where I come over to the sap side and talking about greatness and like generational talent and all of this. And sap, I have to tell you this, you're not going to get your answers because the only answer is it's a racial situation. Um, Jordan had too much power, right? When I think about an organization, I think of the, the two main things that you need is to win and to sell tickets. Jordan did both at the highest level, like at the highest level. We're winning every year in our box office. I'm the biggest name there. So there's no rhyme or reason to break that up other than it being a black man with power. And I'm not trying to go all whatever there, but like, I just have to name what it is. And I'm telling you ahead of time, what I don't expect to see in this documentary. That won't be completely named. It'd be some bullshit excuses as why they thought that they could break this. Was he not healthy still? You know what I'm saying? Like, you gotta give me something. That's not gonna show in the documentary. We saw already in the first two episodes, I've never seen someone talk to fucking general manager the way he did. This nigga was a bully. <laughs> Jordan was a bully. Let's call it what it is. This dude just had everybody, everybody, black, white, male, female, nervous around him. He was a god. And it's like, you be careful what you ask for. I hope they get into the need for the NBA to pass the torch after Magic and Bird. And they wanted Jordan. He was already anointed. But they had no idea who they were anointing. And when they figured out who it was, it was like, ooh. Even the white man at the end of the day, I'm sorry to all the, you know, listen to your general audience. It even gets to a point like, ooh, I don't even want to win that much. There's one place that people just don't want to win that much. And I think it's just this black man has way too much power. That's just how I see it. Now, of course, so, here, yeah. Right. So 
here's why here's why I really, I'm gonna vehemently disagree with you. If he did have that power, he did not use it because remember, this was not a time where players this was not it wasn't a players' league as far as that the, the, the power that these players have in 2020. He could have easily been went up to Jerry Reinsdorf and like, yo, keep Phil, keep Scotty, sign me. Bye-bye, Jerry Krause. So to me, Jerry Krause had all the power because Jerry, Jerry Krause got what he wanted. He got Phil out of there, he, and he broke up the team. I don't think as much – I don't think if Jordan had that power, he did not exercise. You, you're missing I, the point. We, we're here. We're here. Okay. We're going to go. We're gonna, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. I'm, I'm, I'm in. I'm in this, now. This is, this is the danger of this documentary. It's the same thing I've told you offline about – the Mellows and the, the Kanye's and everybody of the world. And the same thing I preach to the students. Be careful. Please tell your narrative because if you don't tell your story, somebody else is going to tell it for you. Every single time. Right now, the way this documentary is presenting, Jerry Krause is the ultimate villain. Right. He's the one that everyone is focused on as of right now. Last time I checked, he's still not the owner. So it, maybe you could correct me. The owner still could veto anything. I got right. I'll, I'll tell. I'll, yeah, go ahead. I'll, I'll tell so you. So what I'm saying to you is, I I'm saying that the mass, the Jerry's, collectively recognized the power that Jordan had, and stripped that down. That's what I'm saying to you. They recognized who they were working with, and that's why they were in agreement. Now, of course, Jerry Krause is taking all of the hits. And a lot of those he should take. But as the owner who's getting a pass on all this bullshit, <laughs> you letting this happen in front of you. I just think, like I said, the same thing I told you, and I, you know, I got to find a way to bring up the Knicks. The same thing I told you about when Phil Jackson wanted to get rid of Melo. So you're going to chastise and tell you, say all these negative things about a player you're trying to trade? It gets to a point where the power will mess you up with business. And I think that's what really was the downfall of the Bulls. It was a power struggle versus business. Business, that was a horrible business decision. But it was a power move. Yeah, so no, it was, it was no question. It was no question of power move. Here's, here's I got two things. One, back then, this is before owners lost their minds in the NBA. So back then, Owners signed the checks. There was a, there was a, a you know, a, there was, hey, I'm the owner. This is the general manager. We got basketball people. I'm not involved in myself. This is before Mark Cubans and all the, and, you know, there were, there were no Jerry Joneses in the NBA at this time. There were no crazy owners doing just picking player, doing that type of stuff. So Jerry, you know, Reinsdorf said, hey, Jerry, you got it. This is your show to Jerry Krause. I think Jerry, the second thing is, I think Jerry Krause, obviously we know he's insecure, didn't feel like he got enough credit. I, I think the reason he wanted to break it up, and this is insane, but I, I think this, this is what he was thinking. He was fearful that they would, that they would keep winning. And the more they won, that means he's going to be even getting less credit. So if they're seven-time champions or eight-time champions, like, no, I got to break this up now. They already got six. I wanted to break it up with five because I wanted to get rid of Pippen. We'll get to the Pippen stuff later. 
I gotta break. I, I didn't want to bring Phil Jackson back. I have to break this up right now. So let me ask you this real quick. If you really believe that, let me throw a hypothetical at you. Do you think that Jerry Krause would still want to break that up, that train up, if Jordan was nice to him? You think if they had won six and seven and eight and Jordan was like, oh, I love Jerry, Jerry's, you think he still want to break that up? No, no, no. I think he – no, no. I think if Jordan was kissing his ass, yeah, he, he wouldn't have broke it up. No, I'm saying he was insecure in, in terms of, like, in terms of – But that goes that. back to power. Where does what that to say to you, come from? When he gets on that fucking bus, he's nothing but an assistant. He could be a ball boy, the way Jordan talked to him with all those other players saying that, the way Pippen chastised him with all the other players saying that. No, I don't disagree from a standpoint that it was a power move. What I'm saying, though, I'm saying to you is I'm giving my theory on why he broke it up as well. He did not – he was – I, th- I still think he – I'm adding on to that. I, I think he was fearful that they were going to keep winning. Because remember, he was like, well, no, nah, he didn't say this. But Jerry Weinsdorf was like, yeah, Jordan was, well, Jordan was still at the top of his game, but the rest of his group was getting older and what have you. trying to, like, make excuses on give, – give some reasons on why they were breaking it up. Try, try to make themselves look smart. Like, hey, we're looking ahead. And what happened? And what happened? I think Jerry Krause, and, and again, Jerry Reinsdorf deserves. I think, I think Jerry Reinsdorf deserves even more blame than Krause because you are the owner. You can stop this shit at, just like he stopped, just like he stopped the Phil Jackson shit. Like Jerry Krause wanted Phil Jackson out after the fifth championship. Jerry Reinsdorf, Jerry Reinsdorf flew out to Montana. And was like, nope, we can sign you to a one-year contract, another another year. So Reinsdorf had the power. Had he's the owner. He can do whatever the fuck he wants. He could have shut that shit down easily. But um, I think Kraus, along with what you're saying about the power move, I think he, in his, and this is just insane, he didn't want them to win again. He So I break this up, I'm going to rebuild this team, and then we're going to win anyway. And then I'll show you that organizations do win championships. Now, that's completely insane because they were, they never did anything up until Derrick Rose got drafted and what have you. That was like a whole decade or so past, you know, decade and a half past uh, when, when Jordan and them left or when Jordan was at, uh, when Jordan's last game with the Bulls. But I think Ryan's, I think Krause thought that he could break, he was going to break this up in his evil genius mind. I'm going to break this up and then I'm going to win. Then I'm going to build a team that's going to win a championship and I'll show you. Which is, it's nice to think that and have the theories and we didn't need this doc. We don't need this documentary to come up with those. Those have been, the things that we've all been saying for years um, about about the situation. I want to hear him on tape saying something like that. Um, And to Chad's point, I'm probably not going to hear anything like that Um, because uh, to, to like, we're all kind of like saying the same thing, but we're framing it a little bit differently. But, um, Ego, who has the power, da 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 da. How things are run there versus now. Um, I I think you can look at Jordan and you can look at him as the beginning of that paradigm shift, where um, players were about to become more empowered, and it took yeah. people like LeBron to kind of like pick it pick up, like not only to recognize not only their financial impact, but their impact um, on uh, the not not only their athletic impact, but also recognize their financial impact, not only on the organization, but, but on the, the community. You know, I've said it many times to y'all, LeBron James is a walk in the time. And so that actually is way more powerful than what can be contained 
in a uniform in Cleveland or in Miami or in LA, what have you. Um, the same could absolutely have been said for Jordan. Jordan leveraged that in a bunch of different ways. Um, he just didn't take it to the next level. It took, it took generations of players to be there. But I definitely, I definitely know who did start recognizing that and who did start fearing that. And that was um, the general managers and the, the owners. I think the owners probably felt a little bit more secure because, of course, they own the team and the general managers could be hired and fired at, at will as, we, as we'll, we'll, we'll grow to see. The only thing, the only other response that I'll say, Surreal, is like um, uh, how Reinsdorf and like other, like you use the term like crazy, like owner. the owners have always been the way that the owners have been. Some just got a little bit more vocal and comfortable outside uh, in front of the camera. But they've always been manipulating things behind the scenes. Like you said, Reinsdorf could have cut, cut all this off whenever he wanted, but he didn't. And that is the point. Why didn't he do it? Um, and that's what, I, that's what I crave, crave, crave in this documentary is getting somebody on the record. The reason why you do something like this and that could be potentially fascinating is because you get people on the record saying things that they have not said ever, ever before. Um, and so, and so, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, like that, that's been my whole thing. Uh, back to your point, Chad, that's been my whole thing with all the different stuff that's going on in sports and the relationships between, um, uh, ownership who is all white and the, the, uh, the, I don't want to say population, not the population, the players who are, who are mostly, who are mostly not white. We'll, we'll put it like that. That always brings up those dynamics. And that dynamic is, is absolutely there and present in all of these scenarios and situations. I just hope, and you're right, you're right, but I just hope they get somebody on camera saying those things. You're right, you're right, you're right, but I want it to happen. I want it to happen. So, Which is why you make a 10-part documentary. By the yeah. way, did you just string me along for seven episodes? <laughs> Maybe episode nine. No, finally, no, it's not no. happening. No, Mm-mm. it's not happening. That's foolish. So, Scotty Pippen, um, I'm a, I have to admit it. I knew I already knew Pippen was great and his defensive prowess and his all around play. He was he was basically the point guard, point forward. He kind of he he almost revolutionized that point forward position when you think about it. I walked away really like like thinking like this dude probably was the greatest number two of all time. Um, give some background on the Pippen, the Pippen saga. Um, he signs a seven year, eighteen million dollar contract, um, nineteen ninety one. So 1991, that's the year, of course, they won their first championship. He, at that point, is a legit top 10, top 15 player, without question. They're probably top 10. Uh, two and one of the outside of Jordan, probably the best two-way player in the league. Um, I understood why he signed that contract. Young country boy from Arkansas, two paraplegics in his family, never seen that much amount of money. And, he has, and to my audience, you have to remember this, NBA contracts, the structure in, 90, in the early 90s versus now are completely different. Now, there's no way you would sign a seven-year deal now. You sign shorter contracts, big money, opt-outs, things of that nature. Back then, 
there was no there were no short contracts. Um, Jordan had an eight year, twenty five million dollar contract that was not up that he signed in eighty eight wasn't up until he was ninety six. Pippen actually made more money in terms of basketball salaries over their careers than Jordan did. I don't I, I don't think people realize that, but he did. Um, so you were going for the long term money. Magic Johnson signed a twenty five year, $25 million contract. You were going for these long deals. So that's why he, he signed that contract. But with that being said, it was a bad, it really was a bad contract because he didn't have the foresight or his agents didn't have the foresight to bet, not only to bet on himself, but just didn't have the foresight that the cap was going to go up or that the, that the players were eventually going to start to get paid and, you know, that, um, that um, you know, bothered him, of course, over the course of his career and led to the, you know, led to the, you know, him cursing out Jerry Krause and them going back and forth. Um, so that, in terms of that, uh, that's my thoughts on the Pippen contract. It was a bad contract. I cannot, but I cannot blame the organization for giving him that, for, for that, for him, for not renegotiating that contract. I'm actually on Krause's side but not renegotiating that contract. Because the whole ideal in sports is you're going to get this bang for your buck. So if I can get a player of that caliber from like $2 million a year, I can build up the rest of my team. The salary cap is not, was not as big, of course. The salary cap that in 1991, of course, is much lower than it is now. No, I'm not going to renegotiate your contract. Yeah, I mean, like, uh, yep, you will, the, any organization will pay you the least amount of money and get the most out of you. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but I don't think that's the point of it. I don't think, I don't think the point of the documentary and highlighting Pippen's contract was about what was good business for the Bulls. I think the point of the documentary highlighting his contract was letting you know um, the frustration that that Pippen felt and how Jordan reacted to, to that frustration, um, being like, oh, being like, yeah, being like, you're selfish. You need to get here and help me win this championship. Um, but uh, but yeah, yeah. I mean, like, and again, you know, um, as you were talking about the difference between now and then. Of course, there are a whole bunch of differences, but again, like these, like part of the reason that contracts look the way that they look and players um, work with contracts the way that they do and they understand the business side the way that they do now is because of bullshit contracts like that um, and how uh, slanted they were to the organization and not actually looking out for, for the player financially in, in, in those basketball, uh, basketball money terms. And so, yeah, 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 great for the Bulls. That's how all the organizations try to run it um, and continue to try to run it. But uh, the, the big point, the big highlight for me of that was just like how much, how, how much, how, how Pippen was so frustrated with them and how he had obviously so outplayed whatever that was. Um, comparative to to the peers, and then comparative, particularly for Jordan on his team. 
Yeah, the only thing I add to that is um, what did the documentary say? He was the hundred twenty second, twenty second, yeah, hundred twenty second, right? Yeah. In the yeah. league. Okay, that's important. So, <laughs> yeah, um, like you said, and this is not a basketball thing. This is just how shit works, right? Wow. Even in art, life, period. People are going to squeeze as much work out of you as possible. You pay or small as much as they can pay. However, there are exceptions to the rule. And this is a bigger thing that we'll continue to see. Outside of just race, which I brought up earlier, not understanding the magnitude of what you're working with. Okay. So Jordan Pippen combo, that is not even just a generational type of combo. That shit is like all world classic, may never have this shit again type of combo. But at the time, you're not understanding that, mm-hmm. right? So the Bulls' philosophy is very similar to the Patriots. The Patriots watch this documentary, like, makes sense. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I don't see what the problem is. Mm-hmm. So it's like you, there's a lack of understanding. I think it's very important to, and I love the way the documentary has done it thus far. We talked about. Pippen's contract. We talked about him being the 122nd, but we also have amplified that he's probably the second best player in the league. Right? We're putting all these dynamics together, but nobody's on Pippen's side. The organization, like, hey, this is business. Jay Reinsdorf said, like, yo, don't sign the contract. I don't think that's a good contract. They have a long contract. Do we? But now, do we believe Jerry Reinsdorf actually said that? Do we believe that? Yeah. I believe that he, he, well, listen, I don't know. He said he told Jordan and Pippen that, right? I'm not saying it didn't happen, but he did say also in that same conversation, he said, don't sign it, but if you sign it, don't come back to me. So that's what makes me believe him a little bit. Okay. Right? right. Now you add on to Pippen's journey. Going back again, this is pre-social media. Pippen didn't come with a lot of momentum. What was he, the, what, was, what was his position when he got picked up in um, college? What was he doing? He's a guard, right? Yeah, no, no, no. Before he played, what was he doing? Oh. He's a ball boy. What was he doing? Oh, he was a, I think he was a the team manager. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. So the team manager, this is the mentality that's coming into the situation. Not just having two paraplegic family members. He's the team manager, right? So Pippen already does not believe in himself. He's not betting on himself. Like, unfortunately, today's NBA – you got cats out here betting on themselves. They shouldn't bet on themselves. You know what I'm saying? Pippen is like, no, I'm not doing that. I need, I need security, right? It would have behooved the organization because of who they were working with in good faith to renegotiate Pippen's contract. But from a business standpoint, it's like now we're giving players too much power. Now Horace Grant gonna come in here and be like, "Well, I, I don't think I think I deserve more. I made the All Star team, uh, or Tony Kukoc." So like, I get it. That's always the argument. Business is business, but there is that exception, and I think at the time, like you said, they can go back. Pippen and Jordan are those exceptions to the rule. It's like, yo, whatever we need to do to keep this train running. That's why it's so funny watching the NBA now. You'll see the GMs, you see the coaches. Oh, they're so apologetic for the players now. Mm. They're so quick to say, no, 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 no. 
I mean, I've thrown the plays, but we need the players. It's completely the inverse of what it was. And that's the effect of this Bulls dynasty. That's part of the effect. It's like, yo, as Jordan said, no, the play, we're playing the game. So, like, it wasn't just the mentality of the owners. You, you heard Walt Clyde Frazier. Players like, nah, one player can't come in here, and uh, he's a guard. He can't change shit. He can yeah. score some points. <laughs> Nobody understood the magnitude of what was happening at that time. So I can't even be mad at the thinking. It was just business, and it was logic. You know, so when people have all these memes about Pippen and all that, it's like, nah, listen, you got to understand where this dude was coming from. Got he me. just wanted security. He just wanted security. I really appreciate that segment because – Growing up in that era, the 80s and 90s, I've always known, but I never backed it with statistics, what Pippen was. But to see statistically what he was, to see the beginning of the season, how they were losing, it made me think about the Kobe Bryant's of the world. With Kobe, like, think about this. Hypothetically, that Bulls season without Pippen, Judd Bushler, who the fuck is on the Bulls, like, with Jordan? They got an old Dennis Rodman. That's the equivalent of Kobe Bryant with Smush Parker. (laughs) Listen, you saw in the examples they showed. It's a fucking game six. Jordan was over it. (laughs) It was game six. He's looking like, who am I passing to? (laughs) Yo, imagine if Jordan had to go through that season without Pippen. So to have the biggest player on the planet not even back you, Pippen's on his own. He's on an island. Now, Kerr tried to clean it up and say, no, no, we weren't mad at Pippen. Whatever. Pippen was on an island. Jordan, like, yo, he could have been got that surgery. Because Jordan, once again, we already talked about, is all about winning. Black, white, gay, straight, it's all about winning. I'm going to defend Jordan on yeah. that decision. I'm going to defend Okay. Him. So let's, I'm going to go through some – here were some of the proposed – to your point about Pippen and his impact, um, the Bulls were 36 and 8 with Pippen that season, 25 and 13 without. Pippen that season finished top 10 MVP, third team All NBA, first team All Defense. Um, here are the trades or the near trades in terms of Sky Pippen. 94, first of all, the draft day trade, he's traded for Olden Polonese. <laughs> Olden Polonese. And then not only do the Bulls get, get Pippen in that deal in 87, they end up getting B.J. Armstrong out of that deal in 89. So that, that was a, yeah, a win and a half. 94, he almost gets traded for Sean Kemp, Ricky Pierce, and the 11th pick for an exchange for Pippen and also the 21st pick. 95, he almost is traded to Phoenix for Dan Marley, Wesley Person, and some picks. And, of course, in 97, he's almost traded for the Boston to Boston for the number three and six picks in the draft. That draft, some of those picks that, that could have been, that the Bulls could have taken, Tracy McGrady, Billups, Chauncey Billups, Ron Mercer, Tim Thomas, guys like that. So even beyond the salary where he was underpaid, even that pissed him off. But you're going to try to trade me? And I'm one of the best players in the world. That I think took there you a go. level of there you go. That's completely it. Like you said, Pippen was a very humble dude, and we talked about this. And I sh- I told you earlier when I um, watched his Hall of Fame speech, he wanted to be appreciated. And I think 
I forgot who said it in the documentary, the first two episodes, but they were like, him deciding to get that late surgery was the equivalent of him just like finally saying, well, let me get some power. Yep. Let me finally make a decision on my own where I'm not feel like they're taking my damn manhood. Y'all not paying me? And y'all gonna trade me for all of these bullshit-ass trades? <laughs> Are you serious? Outside of Sean Kemp, I'll give you Sean Kemp. <laughs> Outside of that Sean Kemp situation, yeah. Ricky you're gonna give me up. <laughs> and I'm getting paid nothing. <laughs> Get the fuck out of here, yo. <laughs> so I'm, I'm, not, I'm not mad at Pippen at all, man. It, I'm not mad at Pippen at all. Like, I'm not... I understand his psyche. It was a very frustrating situation. I wish someone, somebody else would have had his back. But like you said, but, but besides the salary, they had a situation where they could have finessed it. They could have finessed it. We've all been in a situation in our own, our, our respective careers, when we want certain money. Like, okay, well, we won't give you money, but we'll do this. They didn't even do this. No. You know what I'm saying? Like, they had an opportunity to say, look, Pippen, look, you got this long-ass contract. You sign. That's you. But we want to recognize you. We want to recognize. They could have marketed that shit like, yo, you are the second best player in the league. You deserve more than this. I promise you, in year eight, we got you. They said, fuck out of here. You're getting paid pennies, and I'm trying to get old, old and polydies. So that, that's, that said a lot. That said a lot, you know. So... I'm a Jordan says, hey, Scotty was being selfish, selfish, thinking, thinking about his contract before the team. This is where before him. Before, yes. <laughs> yeah, before yeah. That's what he meant. Yeah. That's what he meant. That's what he meant. Yeah. 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 Yo, fuck the Jordan, but go ahead. I'm, I'm 30, <laughs> I, am, I am 35 years old. When? When are you 35 years old? He's saying Jordan. He's saying Jordan. Jordan. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> Got it. I was like, wait, hold up. Hold on. I'm 27. <laughs> we just making up ages now? I'm 18. I'm okay. 35. We're at the tail end of a 3 free. We're trying to 3 free, which is already hard enough. So if you're not here, we gotta work that much harder over the course of the rest, rest of, over the course of the regular season. We need some of this juice for the playoffs. And more importantly, even more important than that, look, motherfucker, I signed an eight-year, twenty-five million dollar contract that I played out. I didn't complain. I played out my deal. Became the deal was up, and then they and then they paid me. If I can do this shit, why can't you do this shit? Jordan had that Nike money. There we go, right there. <laughs> there we go, right there. Yeah, that Nike. Slow down, nigga. Do that. Oh, do that. Down. You got Nike. You got Gatorade. I can keep going on. Stop playing. Stop playing. Don't bring that Sounds shit up. Nice. Sounds Don't nice. bring up your money. Do not bring up your money with my money. <laughs> Sorry, real. Give me a different argument. But nope. I, no, but I will get to this though, because when the, I'll go back to the Lakers when they were trying to four P, right? Similar situation. Shaq had had a bad toe. The toe was bothering him there. Three P season, the year they won the third championship. He wanted money from. He wanted another contract from Jerry Buss. He wanted some. It was some money. So he wanted an extension and what have you. Jerry Buss didn't give it to him. So he refuses to have the surgery in June. Has the surgery in September. Misses like the first month or so of the, of the season. 
The Lakers are playing. They started out like 11 and 18. They made it to the playoffs, but they had to burn all types of energy on a team that was already aging and got knocked out in the playoffs. One of the reasons why Kobe was pissed is Kobe came back, and that was like up until that point, Kobe was a monster. Came back, that had his best season. It came, you know, so he probably thinks, just like me, a thought that that probably cost him a fourth championship. So even putting the money aside, Jordan's like, I don't want, I shouldn't have to be working this hard to try to three P. You should be here. Okay, so let's go there for a second. In your Shaq scenario. Quick question for you. Was Shaq the 122nd play say, player? <laughs> That's no, my first question. No, no, no. Okay. So fuck Shaq. Okay. <laughs> fuck Shaq and the more money he wanted when he's already <laughs> top 10 players and getting paid anyway. We're talking about I'm getting paid pennies. I'm the second player in the league. Now, I do agree to a certain degree. We already talked about Jordan. Jordan just wants to win. Right. He wanted to win. He By wants to win. Yes. He's necessary. But as far as like having perspective of what that looks like, it wasn't like Scottie Pippen got disgruntled in fucking September all of a sudden. Everybody knew he signed a bad contract and he was mad about that contract. I'm not putting the blame on Jordan at all or any of the onus on Jordan at all, but like some things you don't need to speak on unless you stepped up in a certain way. If you know that you needed Pippen for this last hurrah, then you're going to go to management yourself and talk about, hey, he ain't happy. What do we need to do to get this shit right instead of saying, oh, he wrong? Because that's the last thing Pippen needed in that moment. Like I said, when you have to finesse somebody, Pippen needed his pride taken care of. He knew after the situation, like they didn't even interview Pippen's agent. We haven't seen his agent at all. <laughs> <laughs> He's like chilling, like, woo. Ooh, ooh. <laughs> no one's talking to the agent at all. <laughs> and we're all here arguing and saying all this shit. No one's talking to the agent mm. that signed off on this shit. Mm. He, don't want, he don't want that pop. So no. we're sitting here talking about Pippen's dumb, Jerry Krause is evil, Jordan didn't step up. But when Jordan, who is playing chess, knows what he needs, and Jordan said this in, even in the practice, fuck all these other players. I don't care whose feelings I hurt. You can leave. He said that. on. You can leave. With the exception of Pippen. If you know, like, okay, I need Pippen, fuck Bushler, Winnington, and Joe Klein, or whoever else you want to name. <laughs> I, I need Scottie Pippen. I need no <laughs> I, as Jordan, need to set up a situation where Pippen and Krause and Reinhold, whoever, they're in the same place and we can fix the situation. Not simply saying, Pippen's wrong. That was selfish. Because now we're 8-4. and four, And that's why it's selfish. So, I would, I would ask Jordan. Oh, go ahead, Rob. You got to say something. Yeah, I was going to say, two things can be true at once, right? Yes. The... Jordan, single-minded, all I'm thinking about is a championship, can absolutely be true, and it is true. On the other side, Pippen, undervalued, intensely frustrated, disrespected by the organization, can also be true. Um, the, the fact is that those two truths didn't come together in a way that was satisfactory to Jordan um, <laughs> in, in, in that. Um, but Pippen's absolutely valid in his thought process. And, of course, Jordan's absolutely valid in his thought process. The other thing 
And I think this is the part where we as fans or people on the outside, we get it really twisted. We equate winning a championship with respect. And those two things are not the same thing to those players, right? It was more important to Pippen, it seems, at that time that he'd be valued by the organization than to give them the sixth championship. Um, and, and I think that, like, when you look at it from that perspective, then it, then it, it starts to make a lot of sense. Uh, to Jordan, the value was all about winning that championship. But to Pippen, it was about actually feeling the respect from the organization for services rendered, particularly after you've already won five championships. It's not like this was happening when everybody was trying to win their first championship. This is after the fifth championship. So you've already given everybody as much glory as possible, the city, the organization, and everything like that. You want to feel value at that point in time. And he was not feeling value. So damn the sixth championship. Couple questions I, I, I want to know moving forward. I want to know, when we talked about Reinsdorf, like why did you allow this to be broken up in terms of with Jerry Krause? I also would want to know from Michael Jordan, why didn't you exercise power in terms of going to the organization saying, hey, I want Phil Jackson, I want Sky Pippen moving forward after they won the sixth championship? Uh, those are a couple of questions I would want to, to know the answer to. And I hope that hopefully they, I hope that gets addressed. Because if you like, if you're Michael, if you if you're Jerry Reinsdorf and Michael Jordan says, "Look, I will play next year," okay, ninety eight, ninety nine, which turned out to be a lockout shortened season, but whatever, I'll play next year. You bring Phil back, you extend Scotty. You tell me Jerry Reinsdorf is not going to hear that. Like he's not going to think even if he, even at the sacrifice of Jerry Krause. I have thoughts about both of those, um, those questions. Uh, so I think the first one is, as you were talking about it, I'm starting to answer some of my own thoughts about what, what, what I expect out of this documentary, what I want. Um, I would think that at that point in time in Jordan's career, he was seeing the business ventures ahead of time, right? And um, in order, uh, in in order to get to billionaire status, I would imagine you have to make a lot of friends and maintain a lot of relationships. Um, and so I wonder how much that played a part in not wanting to be the person who, because like I said, he was at the precipice of the change in dynamics, but he wasn't the change agent. He wasn't the one that says, "I'm going to grab." this power as a player and demand X from owners. That came much, much, much later after a lot of lessons, lessons learned. I don't think Jordan was the one who wanted to shake that apple cart because I think he saw the benefits of playing ball with, with all the other billionaires and maintaining, maintaining that relationship. The, the um, Kraus is far easier for me. Um, if you're an owner and you got this fool out here taking all the bullets for you, let him take all the bullets for you. We see it in, in all the different, in all different, in all of everywhere. Um, uh, there are middlemen for a reason, middle management, whatever, for a reason. <laughs> uh, 
in 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 our profession um uh in our profession um there are certain jobs that <laughs> in our profession there are certain jobs where it looks like you should have more responsibility and power but as we know um they are just there to uh for lack of a better phrase eat shit and so um i think that's that's obviously why reinsdorf wasn't the one he of course is the owner nothing happens without his say so but how many bullets you take i.e mark cuban finding out when you get out there and you run your mouth and you're the you're the sole one they all come at you versus having a person that is out in front taking those for you that can be that can be the that can be the the that that could be a shield um and so those are two potential answers as you was talking i was thinking about yeah i i agree um y'all know y'all know me mm -hmm. so i'll find an opportunity to bring up jay-z when i can uh, <laughs> this podcast was not a podcast without jay-z being next it, was, it wasn't gonna happen Nobody Nobody was talking about jay -Z. i, I just want to make it clear no one be, was talking about jay-z i would not all. be honest to who i am jay-z's name jay never came up and was not a part of this conversation but it's so relevant <laughs> that's it yeah, let me tell you why. You think about the situation with uh, the NFL, right? And I'll, I'll bring up Jay-Z lightly. It's not even big on Jay-Z. But it's like, when you don't understand the power and the magnitude of what you have, I don't think Jordan understood his power. I think he understood it in pockets. Like, he has the power to, in the documentary, get his suit tailored and tell somebody else, like, I'm not talking to this dude to ask me for autographs. You handle that. I could talk to GM in a certain way, but I don't think he had an understanding of business. I think Jordan was so focused on the game and not the business side of things, which to your point, Surreal, is why he didn't come up with this hypothetical scenario. We come back next year. You think about people who are nowhere on Jordan's level that had more power than Jordan. I'll bring up Carmelo Anthony. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like there's a player, countless players who come in and demanded certain things or organizations without even winning, right? Jordan had a resume, a whole platform to speak for itself, but he was just about playing the game. So during the time, this is pre-Bobcats and all the other shit, he just wanted to play. He treated it as a player. So I think his mentality, this is all just me hypothesis hypothesizing here at this point like he looked at it like i'm a player with so much reach but with this reach this is what i'm going to do with it not understanding that his reach expanded his own creativity you know what i'm saying like he had a lot more power than he gave himself credit for and then the nba was ready to understand too you know what i'm saying like jordan once again to be very clear as much as i don't like the guy He's not somebody to put in the same category as regular, which is still irregular, generational talents. Jordan is a fucking unicorn. <laughs> he was a unicorn. He was a four-leaf clover that came up out of nowhere. And he didn't understand that he was that completely. So all the little shit that he got, the little perks he got, that was great for him. 
But if he had really understood that I am the man that makes everything, then when I was speaking to Ryan Horse, I'm like, hold up. Let's talk about this for a minute. Krauss said he believes certain people are replaceable, like Phil Jackson even. What if we say general managers are replaceable? I'm the player. We have the coach. Why don't we get rid of his ass? Now, unless the documentary shows those conversations and that friction, you know what I'm saying? Because you got to understand, like, it's hard to watch this with the knowledge that we have. Yeah. With where they were. Yeah. Right? So this is pre-LeBron and power moves and all of this type of shit. So it's very easy to critique these dudes. Like, why didn't they do that? Mm-hmm. None of this shit that LeBron and all these other players were doing was something we thought could be done. So that's what I'm saying. So I'm not knocking Jordan at all for that. It's like with me being a black basketball player coming from Wilmington, North Carolina, as great as I am, it's still in a box. His mentality, he can't even understand. It's the same reason he got a fucked up deal from Nike. He don't own Nike shares like that. Like you got to break down like his business moves. You know what I'm saying? Like, so like as great as he is and the impact he had, he still did not understand his worth. So with him not understanding his worth, there's no way he can look at someone like Scottie Pippen and completely understand their worth. Because he's still operating in, I'm a basketball player. Whereas now the narrative is, I'm more than a basketball player. So I didn't mean to do this, maybe because I was drinking too much, but I gave Jordan a little credit um, for... That's some strong liquor. Yeah, that's it. That's <laughs> Jordan credit? Yeah. Yeah. Damn it! You give it, Damn it. Yo, not, only, not only you giving Jordan credit, he didn't kill Jay Z. <laughs> he, 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 he's the Rosa Parks. He's the Ida B. Wells of this shit. Where we needed these trailblazers. He's the Jesse Jackson. There's no Obama without Jesse. Need you to stop. Just need you to stop. Oh. Oh, Jesse Jackson. He's Jesse Jackson. Okay. He took some L's. So before we look before we look ahead to episodes three and four, the last thing I took away, I, one of my the one of the main things, last thing I took away from this is it gave it gave me more even that much more respect. Rest in peace. For who? I said it gave me even that much more respect for one Kobe Bryant. Oh, okay, okay. Because I'm like, you try to copy this dude. Like there were there were guys that would call Baby Jordan, like Harold Miner, you know Vince Carter. They didn't want that smoke, but they they didn't want they didn't they just they didn't want that. Like, they just they, dunked. They just dunked. That's right. Why, that's why they were getting called Baby Jordan. Get out of here. Yeah. yeah. No. They didn't. They didn't, and they didn't want that either. They didn't. I, they, I remember that era. Yeah. They didn't want. They didn't want any part of that. You had even to a lesser extent guys, other guys that like Jerry Stackhouse, something like that. Whatever. 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 For Kobe to copy this dude from embrace, embrace and embrace, right? Embrace that challenge of I'm gonna work as hard, I'm gonna win more championships, I'm gonna be better, and to basically come as close as you could possibly come to achieving that is it'd be I don't it'd be like a, you know I equated to like a rapper trying to copy Nas or Jay Z, like what you gonna do? You gonna do what? This dude, you gonna copy, and almost and come within like ninety five percent and get all get basically ninety five percent there. Yeah, I I just thought about that. Yeah, let me get in here, man. About Kobe. 
to your point, like, I would argue, physically speaking, Kobe was not the closest to Jordan, right? When you think about the Vince Carters, you said Harold Miner, Stackhouse, there was a whole bunch of names that came up. But Kobe's understanding of ethic was so different. And I think, like, watching this documentary, I was trying to look it up earlier, but I forgot. I got tired or some shit. I was thinking about how many games Jordan actually missed during a regular season and the games that he missed that he didn't want to miss. And I know I, I don't like watching these things in silos as a way to break down and diminish other players, right? Like, I don't want to see, oh, well, this is why LeBron James, I don't want to hear all that shit. However, the hypocrite in me is like, this is why the whole argument of Kawhi Leonard type players being the best, I can't even get into. I can't even get into. Because Jordan just wanted to play. And not just play basketball, but play at the highest level. He wanted to be the best every night for 82 games. Physically and mentally, that's a toll that people don't understand. So going back to your point about Kobe, Kobe said, I'm going to study this dude and what it took to get there, and I'm going to emulate that completely. So like Harold Miner, who might have been gifted, he might have been able to have the same vertical as Jordan or do this as Jordan. Like, oh, no, he got to be coming to the gym when? Oh, no. <laughs> nah, I'm not doing all of that. I'm not with all that. I can dunk, though. I can dunk like this nigga. I've seen him west. I saw where he jumped from. I can jump from the same place as Jordan. No. To put in that type of work, right? And I will add this to Kobe. I come in with a fake chip on my shoulder because Jordan, his shit was, I'm not even the best player in North Carolina at the time. I'm not even in the starting lineup when I go into college. You know what I'm saying? Kobe's story was totally different. Coach K told him, yo, you come to Duke, this is your team. Right. You know what I mean? So, like, for someone to say, like, okay, although I'm already given the golden ticket, I'm still going to say, no, I want the mentality of this guy. You know what I mean? So it is a shout-out when you think about and Like you said earlier, uh, well, not in this conversation, but when we were texting, like, it's good to watch this to really appreciate greatness. I told you many times I don't fuck with Jordan. But I would never argue greatness. I can't watch this shit. I'd be like a fucking hypocrite or just a hater just to be sitting here like, that don't impress me. This dude came <laughs> into the NBA and said, yo, this is your team. It's a rookie. Like, the coach is like, okay, well, yeah, he's the best player here, clearly. So we're going to do whatever he want to do. <laughs> this is why I can understand now watching the Dream Team documentary and seeing Magic's hostility. Like, damn, Magic was a hater. Magic never was a hater. But when I hear Larry Bird saying, yo, he the best, I ain't seen nothing like him. Magic, <laughs> like, what? <laughs> you seen nothing like this dude? <laughs> that you just swept. You seen nothing like him. He's like, yo, I haven't seen anything like him. <laughs> I get it. Now that, like, like I said, now I can go back and replay these conversations and see the hate. I see the hate completely now. Because he was like, nah, I wasn't on the cover of Sports Illustrated. I'm just average Joe to hit a couple of game winners and did had a, a decent uh, Tar Heels career. 
It wasn't like he broke every record there. You know what I'm saying? Like, so he's a very, he's a Antoine Jameson ass nigga that came into the league, you know, from the Tar Heels. And like, they wasn't with it. So like, yes, to the the Kobe's, and and I say Kobe's plural, but it's really singular. There's not too many like that. So like this documentary ultimately makes me, I told you this real earlier, after the first two episodes, I said, damn, I need about three or four more documentaries. I need Bill Russell. I need Elgin Baylor. I need Will Chamberlain. Like, I think, and Nas said this, here I go with my Nas reference, when him and Jay-Z was battling, and even in the midst of the battle, he said, ain't no best. Right? This is These are his lyrics. There's a number of goats. We get so concerned with just this goat. There's more than one goat, man. You know what I mean? So this documentary is like, yo, when you get to this level of excellence, without trying to pin, like, pick it apart, just appreciate it, man. That's kind of where I am with this whole Jordan shit. Like, yo, rest in peace, Kobe. I totally understand you and see you now. But someone to even have the goals, I know me personally, I'm not that basketball player, but I'd have been like, ah, uh, I want to be Eric Snow. I would have found somebody that I'm like, uh, that's a table. That's right. Yeah. That. What's obtainable to Rob? What's obtainable? Boy, Randy Brown. <laughs> BJ Armstrong, Craig Hodges, Paxton, anybody in the Bulls team that was winning. Pine again, Purdue. Jordan, you got to be fucking crazy to say, I'm going to emulate this dude and study him to that point. Even when I win, I'm going to win like he won. That's ridiculous. So, shout out to Kobe. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah. Watching, even though we only threw two episodes, like appreciating greatness and the way basketball is right now, the way these guys move around, um, don't see like it's. I don't think it's even a possibility that possibility that we'll ever see a team like this because God, we just even with Golden State had a chance to, but you know what happened with there, you know happened. What happened there happened, uh, but no, like I like this is a, a they're, they're going to be the Bulls. This team is going to be a, a light a once in a lifetime team because you're just not going to see guys like uh, you're not going to see two guys stay together that long. Like Jordan Pip, Jordan and uh, Pippen were the only ones who were on on all six teams championship teams, um, and they did they built they just built around those two. Kobe and Shaq could have been possible. That didn't work out. Um, you know, you had Magic and, of course, you got to go back like Magic and Kareem. But in modern-day basketball, like, nah, you, you're not going to see a team like this because it's just, it's just, I mean, this is a different world. And, guy, like, guys, you know, and I love the NBA game right now, but guys want to win, but they want to stunt. They want to stunt, too. So the stunting kind of knocks off the desire to actually you know what I'm saying, in terms of just winning at all costs, things of that nature. But, uh, yeah, this is a, a once-in-a-lifetime team. A couple things that you want to look for, look towards in episodes three and four. What are you looking – what are you anticipating? What are you looking forward to, forward to the most? Well, from what I've seen in the previews, it looks like they're going to be going a lot into the dynamics of when the Bulls are coming up and particularly the Bulls and the Pistons, like all the different, like all the different knocks that they, they, he had to take, that team had to take to get to that level. Um, so within that, 
I really, really want them to explore the, the Jordan Isaiah Thomas yeah. dynamic. I mean, like, you can't bring those clips into it and not explore that relationship. You just can't do it. So that's what I'm looking forward to most Yeah. in the next two episodes. Yeah, I, I agree with that, man. I think that um, Isaiah's taking it on the chin that he was not kind to Jordan during those times. But Jordan has never admitted to having any influence with the Dream Team. Never admitted to that shit. No. Right? At all. Even when Isaiah's admitted, like, yo, I wasn't right. I was foul. I was this and that. And I'm not saying I just would like what I want to see, because we all know at this point, like Rob said this at the beginning, like there's so much that's been told to us that we've, you know, online or whatever, we know about Jordan. There's not new news. So, like, him struggling with the, the Pistons and them beating him up is not anything new to me. What I would love to see is the animosity of the players that knew Jordan was already the appointed one. I want to see that side of things. I want to see the John Sallys of the world saying, look, man, they already knew they wanted Jordan to take over the baton after Larry Bird and Magic. Like, you think about the Dream Team documentary and, and Magic, they, they, these insights are provided very quickly. He's like, oh, nobody can to- touch Jordan because that's a call of foul already. Like, so <laughs> the players already knew. They talk about the Jordan rules that Detroit had, but let's talk about the Jordan rules that the NBA had. I would love to see that as far as they're building their brand and he's next in line. But like I told Rob earlier, there's certain things that I want to see even that I don't expect to see, but I'm just very interested to in seeing how this Detroit Pistons situation is played out differently than the Detroit Pistons documentary already showed me. Like, show me something different with the Jordan situation that I have not seen already. That's what I want to see. They're also going on uh, to explore Dennis Rodman. So they're going to explore when he took his uh, Vegas trip and uh, disappeared. But, like, I think 48 hours, something like that. So that, you know, I, I like, I, I from that standpoint, I don't, the Vegas trip, all right, whatever. It's not whatever with that. But I want to see how, what they thought about him what they really thought about him when he, when he got to uh, Chicago. I'm just going to say this. I'm going to speak my truth right now. What? Um, there you go, Sap. Do it. At no point in time in this entire documentary, talk, everything, have I cared anything about Dennis <laughs> Rodman at all. <laughs> you brought up his name. I was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> he was on the Pistons and he was on the Bulls. And I don't care about Dennis Rodman. There's no story about Dennis Rodman that I care about. I don't want to hear about it. Whatever. I'm sure it'll be entertaining. I'm sure Rodman will say some things. But no. Nobody cares. And I definitely don't care. So, fuck Dennis Rodman. (laughs) I'll lay my first one down for him. That's my truth. Sorry. Sap is not in on Rodman. You know. My eyes started to glaze over as you talked about his Vegas trip. Uh, like, you know, I think to, to Rob's point, too, it's just like when we're 
I'm always weary when we tell we retell history of not falling in love with um romanticizing it. Yeah. And it's like, let's understand it was the Bulls, I mean sorry, the Celtics and the Lakers, and it was supposed to be the Bulls. Detroit wasn't supposed to be mentioned the way they were. No. They weren't supposed to win. And I want that named. You know what I'm saying? I want this hiccup named that came in out of nowhere and bullied Jordan and did all this shit to Jordan. And I'm like, well, any team could have did the same thing. You know what I'm saying? But I, I'm really interested to see, like, as we move forward, I'm curious. Episode two did a really great job of doing something I didn't think they were going to do. When they talked about somebody outside of Jordan, which was Scottie Pippen. You know what I'm saying? I honestly would love to see Scottie Pippen continuously highlighted. You know what I'm saying? He ain't got to have a whole episode, but I would love to see, as we talk about Jordan, let's continue to talk about what he had with him this whole time. Because you that, wrote that before yeah. or after the Phil Jackson backstory? Let me just be clear on that. <laughs> oh, let me say this real quick, man. Thank you. Thank you, Stack. That was a perfect alley Hey Rob and, and, and Sorrell, you didn't bring us up the Hall of Fame speech. Yeah, yeah. So uh, yes, I, we, I re, we rewatched. I rewatched it. It, I'm telling you right now, it has aged well. You know, it's aged perfectly because, first of all, he get when he gets on the stage, he's crying. The first four minutes were actually like you thought that was actually humble, Jordan. There's no first, like no. Look, look at the first four, like the uh, first four minutes before you uh, really look at the first four minutes. Yeah, and then it just he just goes full Jordan, full Jordan, and I I appreciate it now because I'm thinking to myself, if you would have if you if you would have went humble Jordan, I wouldn't have bought that shit. I'd be like, yo, this is corporate, this is fake. I'm glad he went in the direction that he went. This is I actually, I disagree with that just a little bit. Not, not in terms of your thought process, but I think if he would have played the Hall of Fame speech, it would have been right on brand of what Jordan has been sold. That was the first time that I can remember going, oh, there's the tangible evidence of this other Jordan that I've been hearing about, but never had the opportunity to quite witness in all its glory um yeah yeah so so humble jordan wouldn't have been authentic but there wasn't a lot about jordan that was authentic anyway that would have been right on brand so the fact that he didn't stay on brand and didn't stay on message um at a at a time and place where all the speeches are you know, I appreciate my family and my coaches and blah, 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 blah. It's just all just like platitudes everywhere. The time, the fact that he took that moment to be like, let me just assassinate everybody's character. <laughs> I could possibly assassinate it, including my own kids. It was just like, oh, <laughs> that's the Jordan. That's the one I've been hearing about. Wow. Yeah. Wow. I so... Let me jump on this. I agree with Rob, but this is why. I got a quick story to share. So in the film industry, I have um, somebody I work with who has done a lot of big work with huge um, production companies, movies, all of this, right? This you don't want to name names or people or anything? No? Like she was, 
for the kids movie. Okay, yeah. Uh, I wasn't saying this to be a name drop, but this just stay with me for a second. She's done all this shit with big names, yet and still she doesn't want to be recognized. So she tries to keep a real humble approach to things. But when people don't know her, she's mad. And I'm like, well, hold up. You can't have it both ways. You can't be like fake humble, right? Because she gets mad when people just brush past her or this and that. And I say this to say, watching a Hall of Fame speech was like, Jordan didn't let people in at all, right? And the Hall of Fame speech was finally his time to speak about all the shit that was bothering him. <laughs> and that's why I said you can't have it both ways. Because when the shit finally comes out, it's messy. Mm-hmm. It's messy. You didn't let any cameras in. You didn't let we get any insights, any anecdotes, how you move and all this other shit. But now you finally have one chance to speak and you're a fucking monster. <laughs> <laughs> like, it was so... Oh, mean. So mean. So mean and uncomfortable. <laughs> I've never been so entertained where people like, <laughs> like you, you made the camera not like people that you were shitting on in the moment. They just got a clap like, <laughs> yeah. Thank you for the seat. You know what I mean? That shit was so rude. Uh, so rude. And there was so many years of Jordan not letting anybody in that he he had like diarrhea of the mouth. You know what I mean? All the shit that he's always had built inside finally came out. Like, it was so passive aggressive. Like, in one sentence, he's like, hey, Dean Smith, I appreciate you. Two minutes later, Dean Smith, you know that was a dumb move, not starting me. You know what I mean? Like, all this shit is left and right. Like, no one's safe. Even when you think you're safe, he comes back at you later. Like, nah, that was still stupid. Nobody was safe. No. Nobody. Think, about, think about the man that in the in his in the ultimate moment of enshrinement turns to his sons and goes and to my sons now i love you not you were the greatest thing outside of basketball to me but turns to his sons and says i feel bad for you yep. because you have to live up to being me <laughs> yo the i that I don't I even know. <laughs> what I love most about the speech, and when you say it age well, surreal, I think like I think about Ricky Gervais and his last time hosting the Oscars. And he's like, look, please don't get up here talking about politics and all this other bullshit that you really don't care about. Just do your little speech. And it's like 90% of Hollywood is bullshit. And they'll come up there with this fake platform of what they're standing for. Jordan was unapologetically, and we use that word too loosely now, a narcissist. Mm-hmm. So many of the greatest are narcissists, <laughs> and they don't show that. They find a way to do this fake humility thing. Jordan said, fuck all that. Like, I'm going to be me. What's my moment? I'm going to be in my moment. I'm going to talk like the cameras are not on. <laughs> so, like what Snoop said when he got his fucking uh, the walk of fame, you know what I mean? He got his little step, and he was like, yo, I want to thank me, 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 and me. And like all this other shit. And I'm like, yo, I respect that. If that's how you feel, I respect that. 
The only person that enjoyed, the only person I watched that speak, <laughs> literally, the only person that enjoyed did not shit on was his mother. His mom. I was like, damn. Is <laughs> because the dad died? Or is it because she called? I don't know why. But the only person he did not shit on was his mother. You know what I'm saying? Like, even, and like, you brought this up earlier, real, I got to bring this up, then I'm done. Right. At the end of the day, Phil Jackson was cute. If you listen to the speech, he's like, yo, thank you, Phil. You know, I appreciate you. Phil did some shit like, yeah, with my mind or whatever. He wanted me to do it. <laughs> <laughs> Jordan don't believe he needed Phil to win. Don't ever. Don't, he's never said that. He's never said that. He appreciates him being the guy at the time that was there when I was who I was. <laughs> That's all Phil Jackson was. If you look at Jordan and you look at Kobe, they go, they both go to text. When it comes to the X's and O's, they both go to text. They don't go to Phil. They say, Phil, no, nah, Phil was crazy. You know, he had these thoughts about getting our mind right. <laughs> my audience is talking about text winner who uh the I'm sorry, text winners. They reference text winners when it comes to the game. Triangle, yeah. Yeah. They talk about Phil like his radical philosophies, and it was <laughs> it would maybe feel comfortable. That's all Phil Jackson was. Fuck Phil Jackson, for the record. He was great. He was like a fucking uh, great cheerleader that happened to be in charge at the time this train was moving. And I know in the heart of hearts, the Doug Collins of the world, like, damn it! Oh, I wish the timing was different. It could have been me. We saw, but the triangle doesn't. You said, you said his Hall of Fame speech ages well. The triangle doesn't age too well. Mm-hmm. Bill Jackson doesn't age too well in the NBA eyes. So, anyway, I'm going to Bill Jackson timing for fucking. Yeah, no, that that speech was uh, speech was classic. It was just. Pat kicking Pat Riley out the hotel. That shit was hilarious. Yeah, yeah. He, you know, he got out anyway. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I definitely recommend you went some real insight on on who and what Michael Jordan is. That watch that speech. Definitely watch that speech. Uh, anything? Any last thoughts? Uh, so far, so good. Two through two episodes, I think it. You know. My last thought, like to your point, so far so good. I think they hinted to certain things that they didn't go all the way to, right? We saw some of Jordan's assholeness, but they didn't really show it. I'm not saying they got to show that, but like when you're recreating a story, part of the arc is seeing some of the negative shit. So I'm trying to, I'm very curious to see what, if anything, is the negative or is this going to be simply. Um, a romantic remembrance of Jordan's career. And I'll still be with it either way. You know what I'm saying? I still will watch eight more episodes of his legacy. But I would love, I'm very curious to see how dark, how real we're going to honestly get with the story without just painting like, oh, he made every shot and he was invincible. I want to see the other stuff. So. Yeah, I agree with that. I, I think like when... I use words like explore. That's what I'm talking about. Like the, again, you, in my mind, you miss a big opportunity with with a project like this if you can't get people to go on record uh, saying things that they hadn't said before. 
Um, and so when I talk about like the exploration of Jordan and the Isaiah uh, uh, relationship, yep, absolutely. You have all the clips and the different things and the bad boys and Jordan rules and all that different stuff. But then um, I, I want the commentary on it. I want the commentary from Isaiah. I want the commentary from Jordan. And I want as close to as real a commentary as possible. Um, and so my great hope, even though you dashed it, Chad, pretty, pretty well, uh, my great hope is with distance that that opens up, that that's able to open up a little bit more. I understand why it wouldn't. I definitely understand why it wouldn't, but that's my hope. Okay. Right. Looking forward to it. Looking forward to episodes three and four, of course, on Sunday. Um, you have nothing else to watch, so... <laughs> So that is, and by the way, the ratings were great on this, as you would expect. Uh, the ratings were, were, were uh, great, and I expect the ratings only to go up that much more. As always, thanks, fellas, for uh, joining uh, join this show. All right, you be healthy, you be safe, bro. Be, be safe, safe fellas. All right. To be, All right. Be back. <laughs> Next time. Fuck Jordan. Peace out. <laughs> 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 All right. All right. Later. That's going to wrap it up for this latest edition of the Real Deal Podcast. Remember, join me Sunday as I will be joined by Robert Sapp to break down episode five of The Wire. What is the name? The Pager. Yes, that's episode five will be the page. So we'll be breaking that down. This podcast will be available by tomorrow morning uh, so it'll be available by tomorrow morning via itunes uh stitcher um and other, other and uh of course due to my youtube channel as well so be on the lookout for that later